All right, so today, welcome, by the way. Let me just add my greetings to you. If you're a guest, especially, we're so glad that you're here in our church to worship the Lord with us today. And uh, we're just delighted that, that you are here. Uh, also, I want to just mention to you, today is Change Your World Day. If you, if you brought some extra change like I did, you just want to put it in one of those orange buckets, that'd be fantastic. All those monies go toward helping our church members with different needs and and just uh, crises that come up in, in our church family. We use these monies month, once a month. We give our change and different offerings. And so let me encourage you to do that. And also, while I'm thinking about announcements, just real quick, next week uh, here, on our, um, here in our church, we're going to have a guest worship pastor. It's going to come from North Carolina. I met him uh, on a mission trip, and his name is Kier Lindsay. And um, he is a, a phenom, phenom, you know, phenomenal worship pastor, leader, and uh, he, he got to the voice, and he got to the point where uh, he, he made it all the way to the point where Usher told him, you were amazing, but you just sang the wrong song. But you ought to hear this guy sing. He is absolutely uh, amazing, and he's going to come and lead us in worship, and him and his wife are going to be here with us. So why don't you come, bring a guest with you, and it's going to be on. I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. That's going to be Kier Lindsay with us uh, next week. Met him in Peru. So... 23 years ago, I preached a series of messages through the book of Nehemiah, and I save everything. I'm like a pack rat. I save all my sermons, all my notes, and uh, Kathy can attest to that. I have them all, notes and files, and I, I noticed that 23 years ago, I, when I came to Nehemiah 2.20, I finished that sermon, and I went to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. And I never even preached a sermon out of Nehemiah chapter 3, because as I looked over it, it just had a bunch of names that I could not pronounce, and I thought, well, it's just a bunch of names and a bunch of guys building on the wall, and I just went on to chapter 4 until a couple of weeks ago. As you know, we're studying the book of Nehemiah together here at Great Hills, and I, and I looked at that text, and I began to read it carefully, and I began to notice there are some really interesting, fascinating figures. I call them hidden figures or hidden jewels tucked away in Nehemiah chapter 3. And so today, I'm just going to preach a whole sermon on people's names that I cannot pronounce. So you just bear with me and be patient, but I think you're going to be, you're going to be very blessed because sometimes, you know, we judge people too quickly. We make up our minds way too fast, like I did with Nehemiah chapter 3. Oh, well, there's nothing really there. I know all the Bible is inspired. Yes, it's in there for a reason, and I'm glad God recorded their names, but their names are in there because of some special anointed things that they did as they served the Lord, helped Nehemiah rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. You know, as I think about this, there are a lot of times in our country especially we prejudge people, and we don't give them a chance. We, we go ahead and think we know everything in our mind, and, and these hidden figures remain hidden until somebody shines the spotlight on them. This happens in church. This happens in sports. This happens in politics. In fact, I would say that the greatest football player, the greatest NFL football player to ever play quarterback, it happened to him, and it also happened to the greatest president who ever served it happened to him. So Tom Brady was taken 199th in the 2000 draft in the NFL draft. 198 players went ahead of Tom Brady. Six of them were quarterbacks. And one of them was a quarterback just south of us in San Marcos at Texas State. And this quarterback, he was taken 186th 
Uh, and he's known, he went on to play three years in the NFL, didn't make it, didn't turn out very good, and went on to play in Canada. And that didn't work out really good. But Tyrone, he is known just simply as the guy that was taken right before uh, Brady. So you say, well, why wasn't Tom Brady taken fast? Or why, why didn't people pick him up? Well, he didn't play a whole lot at the University of Michigan. He also was not very athletic, people said. And they said, you know, he just had a horrible NFL combine, so 198 places went before him. But today, I was, I was reading an article just last week. It said, if they had to do it over again, there would be a gulf, there would be a chasm the size of the Grand Canyon between Tom Brady and all those other players taken, especially those quarterbacks. Now, think about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln and, and David Donald's book, by the way, I've read it twice. It's a phenomenal biography if you want a great read on Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, he, how many times was he defeated and passed over for legislation, for legislator, for senator, for house, for local, for uh, national uh, politics? He was passed over. He's defeated time and time again until finally he was elected president, the 16th president in 1861. He had an enemy, a man by the name of Edwin Stanton. And Edwin Stanton, he just, I mean, he despised Abraham Lincoln. And every chance he got, he would make fun of him. He said, he's an imbecile, he is a clown, and why would anybody want to go to Africa and look at a gorilla when all you got to do is go to Springfield, Illinois? And there you'll see him. Just made fun of him, laughed at him. But of course, Abraham Lincoln went on to become the president that... If if we were to raise our hands, who's the most famous, who's the, the outstanding president of them all? We'd say probably George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Really interesting, though, about Lincoln. He did something to Stanton. He had an opportunity to get even with him, and this is what he did. When he became president, he appointed Edwin Stanton as his secretary of war. And people had questioned Lincoln. They said, why would you do that? Why would you appoint that guy? He called you a gorilla, for heaven's sake, and you made him the secretary of war. And Abraham Lincoln said, well, that's easy. He was the most qualified man for the job. And so Lincoln had that ability to forgive, to hold no grudges. And when he died, when Abraham Lincoln died in 1865, it was Edwin Stanton who stood up in the midst of the congregation of people that were there, and he said these words. He said, here lies the greatest man and the greatest leader that the world has ever seen. And now he is one for the ages. It's so easy to look at people, judge them, prejudge them. And that's what I did with Nehemiah chapter 3, but not anymore. I can't pronounce their names very well, but I'm going to read their story. And I've got about six or seven guys and gals, by the way. This is one of the reasons I'm preaching the whole sermon is because of ladies mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3. He said, there's no women building the wall. That's a guy's job. A lady shouldn't go. No, no, there's, there's a whole verse in there. It talks about this guy and his daughters building the wall around Jerusalem. So it's around 444 BC. Nehemiah is in Jerusalem, the governor of Jerusalem, and he has rallied the troops. As you noticed last time, he has got the guys together in 218. They all said in one accord, so Nehemiah, let us rise up. And let us build this wall around Jerusalem. And then the Word of God contains their, their names and what they did. So let me look first of all with you at the hidden figure number one, the Tekoites. The Tekoites. And let me read them in, verses, in verse 5. The Bible says, next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. 
But their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. The word shoulders here literally means their necks. The Tekoites, they made their repairs at their part of the wall, but their nobles, their leaders, their aristocrats, if you will. The Hebrew word adir means to be majestic or to be famous. And the leadership said, that's beneath us. So why don't you guys, why don't y'all go on and build the wall and we as the leadership, we will, we will stand back. And I'm so glad that the Tekoites did not follow the poor example of their leaders. This is an interesting town. Tekoa is located southeast of Bethlehem, a few miles, just a few more miles south to, of Jerusalem. And it's the home city of none other than the great prophet Amos. And here these men are, the Tekoites, they're doing the work while their leadership, and I was reading, some people believe that the reason the leadership did not help build the walls because they were actually thinking, not only was it beneath them, but they were also intimidated by Geshem the Arab. Geshem the Arab lived in this proximity. And people think that maybe the leadership did not want to be seen, you with me? They didn't want to be seen by Geshem, who is one of the prominent Arab leaders in the community. They didn't want him to see them get their hands dirty. So they just said, we, we will not put our necks or our shoulders to the wall, but you people go on. And I'm glad today that the Tekoites, Hidden Figures number one, built the wall, even though their leaders gave a poor example. Hidden Figures number two. Oh boy, here we go. Uziel, Hananiah, and that guy, Rephiah, How, how's that? Hidden figures, numbers two. Look at verse eight. Now next to Uziel, the son of Harhahiah, one of the goldsmiths, hmm, underline that word for just a moment. One of the goldsmiths made repairs, and next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers. Interesting. He made repairs, and they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them... Rephiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, he made repairs. So when I was reading this a couple of weeks ago, I asked myself, what is a goldsmith and a perfumer grabbing tools and utensils and hammers and, and dealing with bricks and mortars and, and timber and, and making this wall? And what kind of jumped off the page at me was this. Those guys did not say, wait a minute. That's not my job. You, you builders, you masons, you construction kind of guy types, y'all get up there and build the wall because my specialty is in jewelry or my specialty is in gold and silver. Or the other guy could have said, well, my specialty is mixing perfume. And, and what does a man of fragrance have to do with some stinking wall? So no, thank you. You guys go on and do the job. We're not going to, but they didn't do that, didn't they? The Bible says that there was a goldsmith next to a perfumer, next to a man who was over a half a district of Jerusalem, and they all pitched in and did their part. Well, it reminded me of a, um, of a passage of Scripture in Ephesians 4.16 where it says, From the whole body, joined and knit together, here it is on the screen, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which, watch this, every part does its share, and this causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, it's amazing what we can do, what we can accomplish 
if we lay aside our egos and we lay aside our pride and we just say, hey, that may not be my specialty or they may not be my cup of tea, but hey, it is a good cause and we are trying to build this wall around Jerusalem and I humble myself and I just get right in there even though it's not my specialty. So those are hidden figures number two. Let me share some more with you. Are y'all having as much fun as I am? I just thought this was fascinating. I'm just reading this going, who are these people? What in the world? All right, number three is Shalom and his daughters. Look at verse 12 as we just kind of scroll down. And next to him was Shalom, the son of Halohesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. And he and his daughters made repairs. That just struck me. Daughters on the wall... One guy I read said, well, the reason the daughters are helping the father, Shalom, is because he didn't have any sons. And that just very well may be the case. But maybe he did have sons and they, and they just didn't show up. But I do know that these daughters got on the wall and they worked right alongside their dad. And it reminds me of the movie Hidden Figures. And I've talked about this once before, but in, in the movie, the, the heroines of the movie, these three African-American ladies... They were hidden figures, and that kind of has a double meaning to it. They were hidden figures because of their color of their skin. People passed over them. Stay with me. People prejudged them, and people thought because of the color of your skin, there's no way that you can handle all these mathematical formulas, and so they just would begin to pass them by, and there they were, hidden figures prejudged. And they were also hidden figures because they dealt in the world of arithmetic and they were incredible mathematicians and computer scientists, and nobody would have ever known it had they not given them a chance and said, we're going to let you shine. And so I think about different women in, in the church and different women in, in government, different women in, uh, in business and CEOs. One of my uh, good friends is, is on a fast track, and I would be surprised if she became CEO of Bell Helicopter up in, up in Fort Worth. I mean, she is one of the top executives of Bell Helicopter, I was her pastor in Virginia, got to lead her, help lead her, her, uh, her husband to Christ, Jim, and we baptized him. And I've just watched Lisa, and she graduated from the Air Force Academy out in Colorado Springs, and then she went to William and Mary, got her master's degree. And man, she's just taken off, and she's doing a phenomenal job. And let me say this about ladies. We have some amazing women on our staff here at Great Hills Baptist Church. I tell you, if it were not for let me just show a picture of some of these ladies. There's some gun-toting women in our church right here. There they are. Front, front and center on the, on the far left there. Lindsay's holding her baby and holding her rifle. Amen. She's got a baby right here and a rifle in the other hand. Lindsay, I see. You didn't know I was putting this on the screen, did you? And then you got Becky Dean, our new missions director. And right behind her, there's Sharon Irwin, our children's uh, director. Teresa, she's holding that gun, but she still has a smile on her face. She's so kind, you know, so sweet. And I thought about those ladies, and those ladies do a great job of helping build the wall at Great Hills Baptist Church. And that's not to mention some other ladies. We have wonderful support staff in, in our church. And ladies, I just want y'all to know, I was, I was thinking about y'all this week. And I was thinking about the work that you do behind the scenes and 
and, and a church this size and all the administration and all the paperwork and all the phone calls and all the filing and, and all the data input, all those things, most of those things are done by women. And some of y'all are looking at me like, well, pastor, about time you woke up and smelled the coffee. Women run this place, brother, don't you realize? And I'll tell you, there's a lot of truth to that and I, and I appreciate them. And we have, I like, like Jennifer Wakefield. Uh, she's one of our, our staff members, constantly discipling and amen, amen, pouring into people. And, uh, you know, I was reading Facebook this week, and I, I just noticed, uh, like, Katie Jack, and there was Grace Collier. And they, there they were with some of our teenagers, some of our students, just discipling them and, and pouring into them. And I could go on and on, and I'm just especially grateful for Kathy Jones. I know my wife and I, we appreciate her so much and all the hard work that she does in, in helping me and, and just kind of keeping me organized, keeping me going in the right direction. And I could go on and on. Shalom. You're not the only one that has great ladies around him working. Can we just give him a hand? Praise God for our ladies in our church. Amen. Praise the Lord for them. I've got all these names running through my head. If I start naming names, I'm getting in trouble, so I'll just uh, I'll be quiet and go on to number four. How about that? Hidden figures number four. Now, this one really fascinated me. These are the guys that work at the refuse gate and the fountain gate. So let me read their names. Verse 13 and 14, as we move from Shalom and the daughters. Now here's Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. And they built, its, they built it and hung its doors and with its bolts and bars. And they repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Now, a thousand cubits would be approximately about 500 yards, okay? So these guys are working all the way up to the refuse gate. And then Malkajah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of Beth Hakarim, I guess, they repaired the refuse gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. So here we have some guys that are working on the dung gate. Does anybody know what dung is? Anybody know what refuse is? Well, if you ever spend any time out on a farm, then you know that dung is manure. And so these guys had the noble task of building the wall around the refuse gate. Now, the refuse gate is literally at the southern end, the tip of Jerusalem, and that's where they put all the waste and all the garbage, and, and it's the Hinnon Valley the Gehenna, if you will, of Jerusalem. And, and I was just thinking, what if they asked me to do that job? What if my job was, oh, Brother Danny, you and your family, you get to go smell manure for 52 days and build the wall around Jerusalem. But we don't read of any remonstrance. We don't read of any complaining. We don't read of any debate. All I read are these guys saying, the dung gate, it shall be. And I'm going right out there and I'm going to work. Dung. Manure, just the smell of that just, just nauseates me, but they did it. And I don't read anything in Nehemiah chapter 3 where they complain. But interesting enough that verses 15 and 16 talk about those who worked in just the opposite of the dung gate. These are the guys that built in places like pools and fountains and king's tombs and mighty warriors. And I thought, that's just almost funny. On the one hand, you got these guys doing the dirty work, and right up next to them are the guys that are about to do the more prestigious work. So let, let's read their names. So good luck to me as I try. Shalun, the son of Kol 
Hosea, leader of the district of Mizpah. Here it is now. They repaired the fountain gate, and he built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired the wall of the pool of Shelah. Fountains, pools, gardens, and by the king's garden. As far as the stairs, they go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, not to be confused with the author of this book, Nehemiah the son of Azbuk, leader of the half-district of Beth-Zer, he made repairs as far as the place in front of the tomb of David, the very tombs of David, to the man-made pool and as far as the house of the mighty or the house of the heroes. Where are you going to work today? Well, I'm going to be where David was buried. And they might want to say, well, please take caution and, and be very careful because David and all the kings from David, they have been buried there in this place of Jerusalem. And, and you've got the pools and the fountains and you've got all, all of this is going to be very important. So why don't you take caution and precision and, and do the best that you can? And I imagine those guys took honor in that and said, we will be glad to do that. And I'm going to thinking, how did they get chosen for that? And other people got to deal with manure. <laughs> You ever ask yourself that? Well, why wasn't I asked to do this in the church? Or they just passed right over me at work and, and they gave it to somebody else and I just kind of kept my old job. Or in the military, man, I've done far greater things than that guy and I just keep getting passed over and over. And here's the thing that God showed me. God is in control. Be faithful where God puts you. And that's a hard word. Because we're very ambitious people. And when God promotes us, praise God, let him promote us. But until he promotes us, let's not fuss and fight and argue and complain and moan and groan. Let's just say, hey, this is where God has placed me, and I'm going to be as faithful as I can. And if God so chooses to promote me, then let him promote me. Refuse. Fountain. So a couple weeks ago, I was studying um, Proverbs chapter 16. And I taught a brief lesson with our men in, in the church. And by the way, if you're a guy and you're interested in old dark 30 coffee, you know, getting up really early and come, we meet out here in the atrium. There's about 25, 30 of us. And we, whatever that day is, like last week, it was uh, the 23rd. Then we'll take Proverbs 23. I'll spend about 10 or 15 minutes going over it. And then we break up in small groups. And ladies, you'll love this. We, we ask one another, how did you treat your wife this week? And I asked Doug Sheffield, and he puts his head down every time. He just says, oh, I know, I'm, I'm just repentant. I'm not treating Sean well. No, I'm just kidding. But we, we do get serious. We do ask one another, how's your wife? How's your walk? How's your witness? How's your work? And how's your wellness? And we have a good time till about 7.30. Well, anyhow, I'm teaching on Proverbs chapter 16. And that afternoon, my son calls me from, from Dallas. Now, when Ashley or Hannah, Bryant, Lake, when, when they call, I just, I just pretty much stop whatever I'm doing. And I just take the call because God is first, my family is second, and then you, Great Hills, in my ministry is, is third. And Layton calls me, and of course it's a busy, Thursdays are like, this Thursday, I got here at 6.30 and left at 6.30. And it just was like, and I never left. I never moved from these premises. I was going from place to place, meeting to meeting, eating, got to eat, amen, Baptist. And finally got out at 6.30 and I was like, I was, I was exhausted, but I was happy. I felt like, you know, I'm giving my best where God has placed me, and I, I want to give you my best. And so anyhow, my son calls me, and I'm thinking, okay, why is Layton calling me at 11 o'clock on Thursday? And he goes, Dad, I got a theological question for you. And by the way, guys, I just love that. 
I, I, I do. And so we talk for the next 30 minutes on the sovereignty of God. And he's making, he's here today, and I love my son late so much. He's, he's just trying to figure out, hey, where's God, where's God leading me? What's God doing in my life? You know, who am I supposed to marry? What, where am I supposed to do? I mean, he's, he's trying to figure these things out. And so I had just spoken on Proverbs chapter 16 on the sovereignty of God, all right? And that God orders our steps and God orders our stops. And I said to Layton, I said, Layton, listen to this. I said, you be faithful where God has placed you and you take one step at a time and I promise you, God will bless you. He will bless your life. He will put you exactly where he wants you. He will prosper you. He will honor you. Just make sure that you honor him and you trust him. And you. And by the way, guys, I'm giving y'all some good counsel this morning. So let me just help you out just a minute. All right. Amen, brother. Preach it. That's a good, good word. So I just got to help y'all a little bit. You just got to take one Put one foot in front of the other. And that's what you got to do. When you don't know what to do, take the next step. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that. You don't know what to do, Layton, just keep being faithful. I don't know what to do. I just witness to the next person God brings in my path. I don't know what to do, so I just pray. I don't know what to do, so I just begin to memorize the Word of God. And if God puts me at the refuse gate, then let me be at the refuse gate and be the best manure man I can be for God and just build around the manure and let God promote me and let God bless me. If God puts me at the fountains and at the pools, then let me just say, hand me a hammer and I'm gonna do the absolute best that I can do and let God promote me and let God honor me because he will. He will promote me. He will honor me and he will honor you and he will honor you too, Leighton. There's your sermon. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body. Y'all with me? What's it say? Does he refer to you? <laughs> no, we're never capitalizing your he. Your he's going to be a little h, but he, he, God, he, look at this. God sets the members of the body. Some of y'all are a hand. I'm, I'm a hand. I'm a mouth. I'm seen, okay, in the body. But some of y'all are toes, and, and some of you are hearts and brains. And those hidden places, we should give far more honor to them because they are unseen. And, and yet God says, I'm the one that orchestrates this. I'm the sovereign God of the universe. It's my church and I put people where I want them to be and they are to shine for me and honor me because I'm the sovereign God of the universe. Mm, now listen to me now. This is no excuse for, well, I'm just not the, where I'm, you know, I'm not over there in that prominent position. So I just won't, I just won't do my best. Here, here's how we choose our deacons at Great Hills. Can I just let y'all in on a secret? We watch to see who's serving without any notification, without any the guys that serve in the worship ministry and the preschool and the guys that are, you know, just, just working hard, those are the guys we like to go to and say, we want to, give you, we want to give you an honorable thing. We want to ask you to serve as a deacon at Great Hills Baptist Church. Look at this verse, for we are his workmanship. That's the Greek word poeme. It's where we get our English word poem. We are God's poem created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand. Let me say it again, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, number five is hidden figures 
the Levites and the priests. So I'm going to talk about me for a minute. And I'm going to talk about our, our staff for a minute. Whenever you see the Levites, verse 17, after him, the Levites under Rehum, the son of Bonnie or Bani or Bami, Bomi. Well, I don't know how to say it, but that guy, he made repairs. Terry, Corey, Rick, choir, orchestra, band, Levites. You know, that's the Levites. That's the dynamic equivalent of Old Testament Levites or the worship leaders. And they got their hands dirty and made repairs on the wall. And next to him, Hashabiah. Woo, I like that one. Hashabiah. Leader of half the district of Keilah made repairs for his district. Now, if we go down to verse 22, you see the pastors or the, the priests. And after him, the priests. The men of the plain. The plain would be the area, the rural area around Jerusalem. They made repairs. One writer said, here you have the priest and the Levites. They were involved in the repair work closer to the temple than to other parts of the wall. And I love this. I love these priests. I love these Levites going, hand me another brick, sir. Hand me some mortar and hand me some timber because I know my place and my responsibility is in the temple but the temple's doing okay. The wall needs help. And so then let me put on my, let me put on my overalls. You know, put on my work boots and get, let me get out here and let me do the work of God, even though it's not specifically the work of God that he called me to do. Y'all with me? These are pastors and preachers who get their hands dirty and get out there. And I'm laughing because that's about all I can do. Guys, I can't fix anything. Anything that breaks down, if my wife doesn't fix it, I call one of you or I call somebody. But I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm not afraid, uh, Kim, when you used to have those work days. I, uh, best I could, I, I would show up. One well, of my first work days here, you remember what happened to me? I crawled up underneath some bushes and I had poison oak for about two weeks. And it was awful, awful. But you know what? That's okay. Because I, I'm... I'm I'm no higher, no more elevated than any of you. I'm going to get in there and get my hands dirty and work. And I just want you to know something, by the way. You've got a whole bunch of people like that on your staff. I've, I've, I've been in church work for 30 years, and I've never been a part of a staff that everybody is just, man, passionate for this church, and they all get along with one another, and we work together. I mean, we had a group of guys, Judy Stone said, Brother Danny, would you and the staff come and be Pastor Danny and the clergyman and sing for us? Now listen, Miss Judy asked you to do something. You just say, yes, ma'am. Yes, I'll be able to do that. I thought, how in the world are we going to do that? She wants me to preach. I can do that. But then we got Ross and Daniel and Stuart and Terry and I. L is for the way you look at me. Where's O? Where are you, Stuart? Are you in here? He's not singing, but he's there. There's V. V and then E, and we had a blast doing that. That's not our, now Terry, he was, he was tearing it up. I mean, that's what Terry does with the rest of us. We, you know, we we're just pitching in. But you know what? That's a cool thing, is it not? And nobody's high and mighty, but we all, there's a need, and we all get in, get our hands dirty. And by the way, Daniel can, Daniel can do all those things. He can fix, he owned a construction company, for heaven's sake, before he became a pastor. So y'all ask him <laughs> to, to help you. Hey. Let me all just tell y'all something. Y'all may not know this. I don't know how he did it, and I don't want to know. But he somehow climbed up to the top of the church to the cross and cleaned the cross for us a few months ago. 
Now, if your pastor did that, y'all be having a funeral, brothers and sisters. <laughs> there he is. He, did, he didn't make it. You know, Daniel, he said, I don't know if I ever want to do that again, but he did it. He got up there and cleaned, cleaned the cross, Dr. Murray. Cleaned, climbed all the way up the top and cleaned the white cross. God bless you, priest. God bless you for doing that. All right, so here's, here's one more. The final hidden figure, number six, is Baruch. And you got to read this one carefully, or you will pass him by. You'll do what I did a number of years ago, just judge him. There's nothing there in Baruch's life worthy of a sermon. So let me go on to chapter four. Now, by the way, chapter four is on. It's, it's so fun. It's just, oh, it's just incredible. I was working on that sermon this week, and but then God said, okay, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't, don't go so fast. Watch, watch this. Let me show you something. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabbai, carefully, carefully repaired. Of all the people you read in Nehemiah 3, none of them has this, this adverb modifying the verb repaired. It's just him. It's just him. Baruch carefully repaired the other section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. One writer says, some people just work harder than others. Baruch is the only worker of whom it is said that the work was done earnestly. The NIV says zealously. The Hebrew word means to burn or to glow. And it suggests that Baruch burned a lot of energy, end of quote. I never would have seen that. And it, but it reminded me of something. In Colossians 3 in the New Testament when it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So there's some hidden figures and some, uh, some hidden jewels tucked away there. Just had to rummage around a little bit and find them. But let me close with this, this thought, and I should have already shared this with you in this series of messages, but let me do it now. I think all of these guys pitched in. Watch this. Because they knew they were building something much more than a wall, okay? Now, the wall was important for physical reasons, and we've talked about this, the barrier. We've talked about filling in the gaps, the breach, so that the invaders or the enemies would be out, and those inhabitants within the city of Jerusalem within would be protected and they would be secure. But it's much more than that. Let me read something to you. This wall of separation meant a separation from paganism and the worship of other gods and goddesses. One writer says, rather than simply providing security, the wall encouraged in the people of God a sense, listen to this, a sense of identity and a sense of purpose and distinctiveness. Their restoration also represented a reversal of the humiliation of defeat and destruction suffered because of Israel's sins. Like the restored temple, look, look, the rebuilt wall would assure the Jews of God's redemptive presence among them, end of quote. And that's the way it is with our church. If you're a member of Great Hills, you, you have a place, you have a part. I hope we don't put you at Refuse Gate, but if we do, would y'all just hang in there and change that diaper, help us out, Okay. Or maybe we ask you some prominent thing, you know, serve as, as a deacon or serve as a connect group leader, a small group leader. But wherever it is that, that we ask you, and wherever, more importantly, the Spirit of God asks you, just settle in there and work and serve. 
let me ask you something. What has God said to you today? Has God said anything to you through Nehemiah chapter 3? I can think of a number of things, that being one of them. And number two, let me, let, me, let me reiterate something about the sovereignty of God. That God appointed these people. God appointed you. God appointed me. And, and the more I think about it, it really didn't have a whole lot of choice to me. Now, I know I had to say yes to come, but it was God's will and it was God's plan. And by the way, God's will, God's plan, you become God's man and you do God's work. And that's the same thing for you and for you and you and you and you. You are here for a reason. This is going to bless somebody really, really good. You're in the right place at the right time. You're not in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know how I know that? Because you're trusting God. You're putting one foot in front of the other. You know, don't, don't try to create all these scenarios and try to figure everything out. That's when I get in so much trouble. If I just be faithful to God, be obedient to God, take one step at a time, and don't create all those scenarios. Oh, what if that were to happen, God? Next thing you know, I, I've got 15 scenarios working them out, and I believe God's just up in heaven shaking his head going, that poor soul. Just quit thinking about that. Just think about what's in front of you. Can that help anybody? It sure helps me. The sovereignty of God, the choice of God, God puts us where he wants us to be, and we do like that Baruch guy. I mean, we, we work, we, we, we do the best that we can with the skills and the abilities that God gives us. And I thought I saw a friend of mine here earlier. Let me see if I can spot him. Is Rob, is that Rob? Is Rob Daniel here? Well, I'm preaching about him. Y'all, if y'all see him, tell him, I, I thought I spotted him here. That, that's a guy. I, I ought to just preach a whole sermon about this guy's story, his testimony of how he went literally from rags to riches and just being faithful and obedient with the gifts that God has given him. So, it's exciting. Okay, let's pray and we'll have our invitation and we'll be, we'll be gone. Lord, you're so good to us. I, I do thank you for your word, and I just have to confess and admit, prejudging it and not giving it the time that I should in Nehemiah chapter 3. Thank you for slowing me down. Thank you, Lord, we could spend a whole sermon today on hard-to-pronounce Hebrew names because, Lord, there's a message there. In fact, there are many messages there, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're a sovereign God who places us where we need to be when we need to be there. And I thank you also, Lord, that we don't have to figure everything out. We just got to be obedient and trust in you. And I thank you, Lord, for these precious women, these soldiers, these princess warriors in our church, Lord, that love you, that pray, that use their gifts and their talents for the kingdom of God. I pray that you'd bless them and reward them and encourage them. Thank you for our deacons, Lord, our servant leaders. Thank you, Lord, for our staff. Thank you, Lord, for our connect group leaders. Thank you for our committees. Thank you, Lord, for every person that sings in the choir and in the orchestra and on the praise team. God, thank you for every person that greets at a door. Thank you, Lord, for every person that picks up a piece of trash as they walk around the campus. Thank you, Lord, for every man, woman, student, boy, and girl that you have so raised up and placed here at 10,500 Jollyville for such a time as this. And Lord, I pray that we would collectively, Lord, just join hands and we would serve and we would work valiantly, Lord, and there would be unity, and there would be radiance, and there would be joy, and, and we would rally around, Lord. We'd rally around the cause, the cause of promoting the kingdom of God. Nehemiah's cause was a great one, Lord, for the wall. But, Lord, we have a greater cause, 
And that is taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to our city and to the nations of this world. And Lord, it takes all of us. So I pray that you would enable us and encourage us. Thank you, Lord, for our history. Thank you, Lord, for those who have gone before us. Thank you, Lord, that we get to stand on their shoulders and that, Lord, great is their reward in heaven. And now, Lord, may we serve so that great is our reward in heaven. And Lord, if I can, maybe, maybe you're here today and you, you just haven't found your place. You're still seeking and trying to determine what your life, what purpose does your life have? Let, let me encourage you with this. With your head bowed and with your eye closed, eyes closed, just, just call upon the name of the Lord. Some of you for the very first time for salvation. To repent of your sins and believe in Jesus and his death on the cross, his work on the cross for you, and his resurrection from the dead. Believe in him. Trust in him as your Savior and your Lord. And follow him in baptism. Follow him in, in ministry and serve in him. And I promise you, you're going to find your purpose. You're going to find your place. You're here today. You're looking for a church home. You, you need to be a part of a, a body of Christ, the believers. You, you, you're a hand and, and you're detached right now and you need to join this body and get busy. Or you may be a little pinky toe. Hallelujah for pinky toes. You can't walk without those little creatures. So why, why don't you take your pinky toe self and come on and join this church and do what God's called you to do. I, I don't know who you are and I don't know what your struggle is, but I do know this. When we're serving the Lord and we're just giving Him our best, there's not a whole lot of time to complain. There's no, not a whole lot of time to be worried. So why don't you come and be a part of our church today? Father, thank you for our time. Bless this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand up to you, on your feet? Let's sing unto the Lord. and We're going to have some, some pastors and some decision counselors here at the front. If you need somebody to pray with you and encourage you, why don't you come? Let us help you.